Today on the show, I have an interview for you, which I think qualifies as a pretty good mashup. It's a combination of some teaching on tips and techniques and strategies that will be helpful to you in saving money. It's also a combination of a case study illustrating a few things that you can do wrong and then a bunch of things that you can do right. And then it's got a healthy sprinkling of inspiration thrown in. Radical Personal Finance Podcast. My name is Joshua Sheets, and today is Monday, November 24, 2014. I have an interview for you today with Mark and Lauren Grootman. Lauren is the founder of the couponing website called IamThatLady.com, and we're going to talk about their personal finance story. I've got a lot that you can learn through it. I am preempting the Monday show that I had planned. Originally, I was planning to bring you a review of Tony Robbins' new book called Money, Master the Game, and I think I'll be able to bring that to you tomorrow. i got to finish the book yet. Book first. It's a 650-page book, and I didn't have much time to read over the weekend, so I've got to finish it. I'm about halfway done. I should be able to finish it tonight and then be able to bring you that book review tomorrow. And then Wednesday, I'm going to bring you a show on gratitude about why basically this is the greatest time in the history of the world to be alive. And I hope you'll tune in for that. If you get to it before Thanksgiving, great. It's not going to be some corny Thanksgiving show, uh, but it is a neat opportunity. It's, been, it's a show I've been wanting to do for a while, and it is, uh, it's going to be a nice theme. But today, I am bringing forward the interview that I had planned for tomorrow with Mark and Lauren Grootman. And this is a really fun interview. I met Mark and Lauren when I was in FinCon out in New Orleans, uh, which was the Financial Bloggers Conference. And I immediately enjoyed <laughs> talking to them because they hit a couple of themes that are right that I just immediately knew that they were hitting on a couple of themes that are important to me they immediately started talking about minimalism but they have four kids and that's a big deal to me because I like minimalism but I don't necessarily like that the whole conversation is focused oftentimes it seems online around you know some single guy or single gal living with a hundred things in their life which is cool I think it's awesome if you can do that and if you want to do that but I, I don't relate to that anymore I'm past that phase in my life, so uh, it's a really great it's a really great interview. And I think that one of the I want to point out and share with you a few things I want you to listen for when I play the interview. Just going to give you a little bit of intro to the interview and a couple of quick announcements about the show, and then we'll we'll get straight to it. Uh, But notice their story, and in a nutshell, because I want to point out these lessons so that you can hear them in advance. Uh, I think that'll be better than Mike pointing them out at the end. In a nutshell, Mark and Lauren were very mainstream, middle-class America. Mark was working as an actuary. I think Lauren was working in in the corporate world, and they they started having some kids. They had a bunch of debt, and they basically just found themselves in the normal place, stuck. And Lauren was doing some side business, I think, at that time. And they were essentially just the very stereotypical normal normal couple, middle America, high income, high spending couple. And they, they, they have a lot of details that they get into it with the interview uh, around that theme. And then they woke up and they started paying attention. And what I want you to listen for in this interview is notice the transformative process and notice the tools of how everything that I talk about on the show every single day comes together in their story. And by the way, they're right in the middle of achieving their American dream. I wouldn't say, I bet you if they said it, they, I wouldn't say they've made it, uh, quote, 
quote unquote, they're not financially independent, but they're working hard and they are experiencing independence. Mark recently quit his job as an actuary and both of them work full time on their blogging business and their couponing business and other associated activities. So I think it's a pretty cool story. Uh, Notice the themes, however. Notice that it started with waking up, paying attention, laying out a plan of what they actually wanted to do, which I think the first step was they wanted to get out of debt. Then they started cutting expenses and cutting expenses is usually one of the easiest things to do. Notice as you're listening to them that they cut expenses in two different ways. First, by learning to coupon. That made a big difference, but it was really a small expense. And then by doing some major downsizing. So when I talk on the show about focus on both ends of the budget, sometimes it makes a lot of sense to focus on the little things and cut those out. But then sometimes it makes a lot more sense to say, forget all this little nickel and dime stuff. I'm just going to do something drastic like sell my house. Notice that. Also notice that they focused on raising their income through side work and then also through building a business. The biz- That's the business that today fully supports them. Uh, which is I Am That Lady, her um, Lauren's couponing website. Notice that the combination of those things together, entrepreneurship, raising income, lowering expenses, leads to what I think of as the first stage of financial freedom, which is essentially the opportunity to be your own boss. Because of their ability to cut expenses and because of their ability to live frugally, then recently Mark was able just to leave his actuary job and get out of corporate America, which was not the vision that he had for his life. And they were able to build, they're able to build their business and now they're free to work together. And the benefits of that, they're still working. (laughs) They still have to work. But I would say the benefits of that are pretty cool. One of the things that happened was we had to reschedule this interview a couple of times. And one of those times that it happened was actually due to a family funeral. And the interview reminder popped up and we tried to coordinate. And Lauren emailed me and said, Josh, I'm so sorry. We're at a funeral. I think it was Mark's grandmother may have passed away. And she said, I'm so sorry. And we've been busy with that the last few days. And I'll tell you, in times like that, it's nice to run your own business where you can have full control over what you do. And then to be able to do things like do podcast interviews in the middle of the day. So there's still in the middle of it financially. But the path to that was entrepreneurship, which is a theme that I talk constantly about. Uh, And just notice how all of these things come together. Notice how, as you're listening to this interview, notice how the three things, income, expenses, and investing the difference. There's only three things you can affect. Notice how they affected all three of them. Number one, raising income with extra work and with side businesses. Number two, cutting expenses, couponing, downsizing, other frugal tips. Number three, investing the difference wisely into paying off debt. And then it sounds to me like they invested the difference primarily into entrepreneurship at this stage. That is probably the fastest way to achieve financial freedom that I can figure out for the average person. It's far faster than saving hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, then, once you've done that, you probably need to save the hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I hope you enjoy this interview. Real quick, before I start the interview, I want to make a quick, uh, a couple of quick comments and answer some comments and questions that I've gotten on the, on the blog. And I have a feeling anytime I receive an email question or a question on the blog, if there's one person that's asking it, then uh, then uh, more people than that are asking it. So a few of you have been commenting on the launch of the membership site, The Irregulars. And if you're new to the show, I just recently launched uh, a membership site. It's called The Irregulars. And that's the structure that I've designed for me to be able to make some money on the show and hopefully to provide my living with this, t- with this aspect of work. That's my goal. And uh, so to do that, I've launched this, this site and this membership program. And so far, several of you have signed up and I really appreciate 
appreciate that. Thank you for all of to those of you who have done that. I really value and appreciate the support. I've received a few questions, however, about how to do how I'm doing it and why I'm doing it, and as far as well as a few logistics about using PayPal and recurring payments. So let me answer uh, a few of those things to you. Number one. I've had a, some some people suggest that I set up a an option for a one time donation button, uh, one time donation where people could just simply say, "Hey, I want to support the show. I don't want to sign up for a membership, but I do want to support the show with a donation." I thank you for wanting to do that, and I appreciate that. The reason I haven't done that, I could have done that. For the probably the simplest way to do that would be for me to have used a website and a service called uh, it's called Patreon. It's spelled P A T R E O N, and it's uh, basically something something that people have launched where content creators can be supported directly by you, and it allows you to set an amount that you want to support at and it can be any amount and then you can set it to be recurring and you can set it to be recurring based upon basically when I publish content. It's a pretty neat system that they've set up and it seems like a really great option. I chose not to go that route because I'm developing a product for you to buy. And so my vision for the membership program, the Irregulars, is not that it's a donation and an appreciation to me for the content that I'm putting out on the podcast but rather that it's a standalone product with lots of value in it of it. At the moment, it is not that. At the moment, it's just purely an appreciation of, hey, Joshua, thanks for doing the, the shows. But that's my vision for what I want to create it into. I want to put behind that, in that membership program, I want to put a lot of really helpful resources, helpful ebooks that I can find, helpful videos. I may create some extra um, bonus content, simplifying some of these concepts for you. I want very much to find some good deals and some discounts programs and things like that to serve you with behind that membership wall. And so I am developing that into a product. So it's not just a donation, it's into a product. Uh, I, it, I don't view it as simply a donation to support me. I view it as a product that I'm developing. Now, those of you who have so far signed up are basically it's not there. It doesn't exist yet. I, I've still got to make it, which is a big focus of mine here in December and starting the new year is to get some stuff back there for you. Uh, I'm not committing to put everything there for free. I'm not saying that I'm going to write all these things. I'm going to create you know, 18 brilliant uh, video courses, and they're, and they're all going to be for free back there. I actually don't think they will. But I do think that I will always give I will always give a priority, a very special pricing discount or something like that. I want the membership to be the primary basis. So that's why I haven't set that up as a recurring, excuse me, for just for, as an option for a one-time donation. If you would like me to do that, if you get the vision of the uh, of the product of the irregulars, and if you would like me to set up, for example, the patron uh, account, let me know that. Just shoot me an email or comment. My email is. Josh, my email address is joshua at radicalpersonalfinance.com. I'd I guess I'd be happy to do that. I mean, I, I value. Trust me, I value the the support, but I just want to. I want to. I want to do value for value. I, I don't want to be a charity. I don't need charity. Uh, I want to create a business, and this is what fills fulfills and matches my uh, personal ethical principles. Is I think everything should be a win win win. So I'm not looking for charity. Now I recognize that the way Patreon is set up is not charity either. It's hey, we appreciate the content, but as far as I'm concerned, the show can be the the show can be free. Uh, that's fine. Uh, I'm I'm really I wasn't sure when I started recording 
episodes, I thought I would be able to do everything in the show. But what I'm learning is for me to create an interesting show, that's really awesome if you're able to listen to everything. But many times what you need is is just a solution. It's just a straight up solution to a problem. And so that I think is where I can most effectively develop some products to say, hey, it's coming up to tax time. What's my mindset to be? And I'll do some of that for free. I'll list out a playlist. Hey, here's the playlist of shows. But there's, there's so much content on the show here that I think I'll be able to keep the content here for free and then develop some courses that are specifically helping you to solve your problems in a focused way. I'm sitting down with my group benefits. How do I think this through? I need a 60-minute video of Joshua saying, okay, let's go through your group benefits. Here's your health insurance. Here are your options. Fundamentally, here's your choices. And you just, you know, that's 20 bucks. That's going to save you. It's a lot better than asking the broke guy in the cubicle next to you what group benefits you should sign up for. So things like that is what I'm what I think I can create with products as I'm able to build the build the capacity to to do those. I've never done them before. So it's excruciatingly slow when you're when you're launching things. So that's why I didn't set it up with a one-time donation. Um, so if you want, if you guys would like me to set that up as an additional option for those of you who would do that, shoot me an email and let me know if there's a demand for that. I'll be happy to do that, and 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 I would appreciate and I appreciate your support. I also had some questions about uh, a one-time only option for PayPal. Uh, there's a reason why I only have the recurring subscription button there on PayPal, and that reason is because uh, it goes back to again why I am creating this as a product. So uh, that's why I didn't do a one-time payment to say, okay, pay for a one-time payment. It's set up as a subscription, and but I'm going to tell you the workaround and why I chose PayPal. Uh, the subscription is important because it helps me. It first of all, it's important for me because it helps me to have uh, some ability of predictive ability with my cash flow. When you're running a when you're running a business, you need to know that you have some basic level of cash flow to uh, to rely on. So it's important for me. It also matches what I'm trying what I'm going to build, not trying. What I am going to build in the irregulars, which is a value a major source of content to which I'm always adding new things. And so I need the the access to that content to be based upon the subscription. So the way I have it set up with PayPal is, and, and the way PayPal works is, I do not have the ability to charge you when you have a PayPal account. When you set up and you uh, decide to subscribe to my membership site using PayPal, I don't have the ability to draft your credit card. Uh, rather, that's an authorization that you make. If you would like to do something such as, Josh, I want to purchase a one-year subscription uh, to the show, and it's it and November, you know, I'm going to start it on November 24, 2014. But I don't want my PayPal account to be automatically debited a year from now on November 24, 2015. That's fine. It's very easy. All you need to do is just simply do the one, just sign up for the one year, and then immediately after you get all your login credentials and everything like that that done, immediately log into PayPal and. And cancel the recurring subscription. In PayPal, you'll see there's My Authorized Payments, I think is what it's called. And all you just need to do is click cancel. And then your membership will be active for one year. And then on November 25th, 2015, after the year has passed, 
hopefully if my software is working right, you shouldn't be able to log in anymore after that date, but it, but it'll pay you for the next year. And then if you want to manually do it on November 25th, so you don't get some kind of unexpected whack on your checking account or credit card account, that's totally fine. And that's entirely cool with me. So all you need to do is authorize it and then cancel it. Uh, but because I want to be, keep providing there as a subscription, uh, I just chose that as the default, but with PayPal, you're entirely in control. And that's important to me because I don't, that also fits my values and my ethics personally is I don't like it when 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 people are automatically taking I don't like it if a gym membership I signed up for some stupid contract and they're billing my credit card and I can't get the thing stopped so to me I think PayPal is the most straightforward way to do that so for those of you who don't want to sign up for the recurring payments uh, I, I I'm gonna leave it just as recurring but all you need to do it's very simple is go uh, sign up and then immediately go and cancel and uh, you'll have your year taken care of. Uh, but uh, that's why that's set up is because it's a subscription site that I want you to have ongoing access to. And if you're going to pay for an annual subscription, then I, that that's what gives me the motivation to keep enhancing. And by the way, real quick, I, not real quick, the reason why that's important, the, the lining up the subscription site, is because that's what gives me the motivation to continue adding value to the Irregulars program. And so as far as the incentives that, that exist, I'm setting up the incentives in that way to incentivize me to put on my to-do list, I need to go and add value to that site to keep those of you uh, around, you know, to keep you wanting to subscribe on an ongoing basis. So that's why I didn't. That's why I don't have the one-time option. That's why it is set up as automatic payments. But you are fully in control with PayPal. I don't have the ability to. Uh, I don't have the ability to charge you without authorization. All you do is just go in and cancel. It's very simple, very straightforward. If you have any problems with that, just email me Joshua at radicalpersonalfinance.com, and I can fix that for. I can. If there are any tech problems with that, I can tell you exactly where it is. Um, finally. If you've asked if you've asked me for a desire to pay with other forms of payment other than PayPal, yes, that's coming soon. So uh, I'm going to launch. So I'm going to I'm going to try to. One of the things that I would like to promote is, is I, I don't like PayPal to have. It actually saves me money. I think PayPal charges me something like three percent. Um, What's the transaction fee? Anyway, it's not cheap. So it's in my best interest to accept other forms of PayPal. The reason I chose PayPal is even though it's not the cheapest option, I like it because uh, it puts you in control and it's the simplest option in today's world. But I'm going to set up alternative systems. So I'm going to set up to accept checks. So you can send me a paper check. So for those of you who uh, dislike using PayPal, I get it. That's fine. Uh, I'll, I'll accept paper checks. What I need to do is I just need to get a P.O. box first because um, I already... Uh, lost a lot of privacy, and I don't really want to publish my home address. And since I work from a home office here, then uh, I need to go get a PO box. And as soon as I get that set up, and then you'll be able to send me checks there. So I'll publish that. Just stand by. I should have that done soon. Also, I'm going to try to accept Bitcoin uh, and other cryptocurrencies. I'm I, Bitcoin is easy to set up. I don't know how easy it is to set up some of the other cryptocurrencies, but I would love to support the and and do business more with the cryptocurrency movement. It's always been something that's been of interest to me that I've wanted to do to get involved with, but too many things on the list. And then finally, other like I want to accept um, coins, barter systems, gold and silver coins, things like that. So I'm going to set that up, but I also need to get the PO box established for that as well. So that should be coming soon. So that's just some background on the membership site. And that's it. Enjoy the interview here with Mark and Lauren. So Mark and Lauren, welcome to the Radical Personal Finance Podcast. I appreciate you being with me. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. 
been looking forward to this chat. I mean, it took us forever to get it scheduled. Right. <laughs> but uh, I've been looking forward to this chat since we had a chance to talk uh, there in New Orleans uh, what, a month or two ago. Right. And you guys have an extremely unique story. And I think there are going to be a number of themes that we'll be able to develop and share with the audience uh, around that's going to completely intertwine all the things that I'm into, which is essentially uh, entrepreneurship, saving money, personal finance, and how all of these things are all mixed up together, and they're not separate, distinct. Uh, they're not separate, distinct little you know silos that we can tackle necessarily one at a time, but they all right. flow together. So let's start with actually just you sharing a little bit of your story. Uh, what is your background uh, relating to money and personal finance, and how did you kind of come through over the years since between coming of age to where you are today? Well, we've been married for, how, I should know this, right? <laughs> you should know this. 12, 12 years. 12 and a half years, yeah. Okay. And um, both of us come from completely different money backgrounds when it comes to how we, we were raised. So we get married and we don't see eye to eye. And it, it works. We do okay for the first few years, but then after a couple of years, we really found ourselves in quite a bit of, of debt. And I think a lot of it had to do with just bad decisions, but also just we weren't on the same page. Yeah, so I came from a background of uh, upper middle class family uh, that used a lot of credit cards, and Mark came from, um, I would say, lower middle class, uh, paid cash. Hey. Hey, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, <laughs> no, I know, I know. You know. It was more blue collar. It was very blue collar. You know, they paid cash for everything, never got into money trouble, always paid for everything. And so when we got married, um, it was it was really hard. It was hard for me. I was used to buying whatever I wanted to, whenever I wanted to. And, you know, our first argument after we got married was over a bag of Doritos that in the grocery store because I wanted to buy one for $4. And Mark thought that that was just absurd. And we got in like an argument in the middle of the store. Wow. So yep, I remember that. Yeah. So three, you know, fast forward three years after that, we're in $40,000 worth of debt, uh, uh, running a $1,000 deficit every month. And we're underwater in our mortgage by, by quite a bit of money. Before, so, before you go further, Lauren, I have a quick question because you point out something interesting. Did your parents train you around money? Did they set rules, boundaries? Did they give you an allowance as a child? How did they work with you around money or not work with you around money? I can't remember really ever having chores. Um, if if we were asked to do something, it was like, oh, you want me to unload the dishwasher? Like it, We never had chores. We never, the only training that I remember growing up with money was when I would ask for something and my mom would, you know, say, come here and bring me to the dining room and open up this like ledger book. And inside the ledger book was handwritten, this is what our money looks like. And then she would yell at me and say, do you see how much money that we're making? You know, mm -hmm. I can't afford this. And that was, but then, then the next day we would go to the mall and go shopping. So now, when we went shopping, we did go like to the clearance racks a lot of times because you could find good deals. So, like, I, I grew up knowing how to find a good deal, but I didn't. I didn't understand money. I didn't understand. I didn't have responsibility. I mean, I had a job when I was sixteen, but only because I wanted to have money to go out and hang out with my friends. Right, um, Mark. So how I did. How did oh, your? So I was going to say, Mark. How did your parents work with you? Well, uh, I did get an allowance, but I had to do chores. To get it, and I think it was it was two dollars a week at one point, and then we got a raise to four dollars a week. But they also made us tithe; they made us save some of it. And then when we were old enough to get a job, um, and this was back in you know the nineteen nineties, 
which my son just referred to as the 1900s yesterday. <laughs> um, so when I was like, I think 11 or so, they made us get paper routes. So each of us had a different paper route and we had to make money doing that. And I think I made $12 a week. That's pretty good for a paper. So I had 12 plus the four, but I had to work for it. Yeah. And they made us save like almost half of it. So I don't know. We didn't really have it. <laughs> I don't know. They just made us not spend all of it, which is probably wise. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested, and I, I'm going to let you finish your story in a minute. This is just, it's a theme I haven't explored on the show yet, which is why I, I latched on to it. Uh-huh. Have you thought about how you are working or how you plan to work with your children based upon what you've learned from your respective backgrounds surrounding oh, money? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's we, something we struggle with. We talk about it a lot. Mm-hmm. And we have one nine year old son. And the rest of our, our kids, they're all daughters. They're five and under. So we're not quite to the point with them yet. But with our son, who's nine, who just referred to 1999 as the 1900s, <laughs> um, we do deal with, with money with him. And he has chores he has to do. And it's, it's hard to be consistent all the time. But we're definitely trying to be as intentional as we can. Mm-hmm. We, make him, we make him save. We make him tithe to our church. He has to do a certain chore like his his job is to take out the garbage and he has to either set or clear the table every night mm-hmm. he's just starting to clean up the kitchen by himself he has to mop our kitchen floor and we'll pay him extra when he does that um and this and honestly this is all new to me like i'm kind of taking mark's lead on this because i have i have no idea how to make a child do chores like i because i wasn't brought up that way i'm, right. I'm, cl- I'm clueless <laughs> and so i'm taking mark's lead and we've been kind of you know, fiddling around with a few different things over the years of how to make it work. And this seems to be doing the best where he's expected to do his chores. Oh, and one thing that you added this past month, Mark, was that if his bedroom wasn't clean on Saturday night, he wasn't getting his allowance right. on Sunday. So that that's one thing that... That's helped keep the bedroom clean. Yeah, because that's a struggle. So we made that like a challenge for him. Right. So keep going. So you had an argument over a bag of Doritos and that's where it started. And keep going from there. Sure. Well, I mean, that was, we were still in, in college then. Mm-hmm. So Lauren, I was, I was brought up also to sort of believe that holding credit card debt was, was a terrible idea. I think my parents had credit cards, but they always made it a point to tell us, hey, we have these credit cards, but we pay them off every single month. So we never have a balance. So I, that's kind of what I grew up believing. So I went through all of my college career, except for my senior year when we were married without a credit card. And then Lauren kind of said, Hey, you need to get a credit card. This is what you do. And I'm like, okay. So I guess I was easily swayed by Mm -hmm. her, but Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. So, so then, you know, credit cards became just an issue for us. And Mark was, got a job right out of college as an actuary. And so he, you know, had a, had a well-paying career. And, um, I was a drug and alcohol counselor for a few years. And then I quit that when I started, when we started having children. We we really did. Okay. For those mm -hmm. first like three two, years, I three years. Yeah. And then we decided that we wanted to get a house built for us. And we moved to Charlotte, North Carolina from New York. And buy a nicer car. And buy a nicer mm-hmm. car. And we just decided that we wanted to be, uh, I don't know, rich. <laughs> <laughs> but we weren't. That was the problem. I guess, yeah, have the luxuries before we had earned them. Right. And um, so we had this huge house built for us. And, and, you know, after two or three months of moving down there and living in this huge home that we couldn't afford, um, I was actually doing um, a direct sales company and I won a pink Cadillac. 
Nice. Uh, you could probably guess which direct which sales company yeah. it is now. Let's see. It wouldn't happen yeah. to have the initials MK, would it? Yeah. So <laughs> Good I for you. Congrats. And, and a lot of um, the debt that I got into was kind of acquired um, through, you know, that position. And so I had the pink Cadillac and we had an, an Audi and we had this beautiful custom home. So we looked like we had it all together. But what, what people didn't know is that we were um, facing probably the worst financial times that we could have been in. Um, then I quit Mary Kay and I started learning how to coupon and needed to coupon and, and learn how to meal plan in order to eat. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was, it was necessary for us. Right. And we hadn't really been tracking our expenses too well since mm-hmm. then either. We never budgeted. Right. So, but then we, when we decided to actually look at what we were spending, we realized that we were spending almost thousand dollars a month on food. And this was just a family of three at that point. So this between grocery stores and going out to eat, it was about a thousand dollars. And Lauren figured out that if and you were a you were a waitressing at this point, right? Because right? I needed to get a job to pay to pay the bills. So she figured out that if she could cut our food budget from a thousand dollars a month down to two hundred dollars a month, she could quit her job, stay home with our son who was two then, and we could make it work. We mm-hmm. could just barely scrape by. So yeah. that's that's what we did, and that's how you got started getting crazy saving money at the drugstores and grocery stores. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And about That's what year it. about what year was this? This was 2008. 2008. So this was I guess before the idea of like the of couponing like really went mainstream. This was kind of more at the beginning stages of it online, is that right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. it was it was before that whole extreme couponing phenomenon mm-hmm. and uh, you know before couponing was cool, right. I like to say. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing it. Back when, back when you were that that crazy lady, instead of everyone saying, "Wow, you're cool." Yeah. Yep. Yep. But for those, um, there were, but we still had two more years where we were in this giant house, so we weren't really able to make any progress on our debts at that point. We Mm -hmm. were still just treading water and just making it work. Uh, But then in late 2009, we finally decided to move back to upstate New York, which is where we live now. It's it's where we both grew up, and. but we were underwater in our mortgage. So we found a way to actually get approved for a short sale on our house. Mm-hmm. And that helped out a lot. And that allowed us to move back up here. And we moved into an about eight or 900 square foot townhouse. little townhouse apartment that was, I think it was, what, $700 a month. And that included utilities. Yep. Wow. I mean, it was dirt cheap. And it, it, was, but it was so tiny. It was so small. And we had two so kids small. at this point. Mm-hmm. So we lived there for almost a year. And that's when we really got crazy yeah we sold everything we had pretty much sold my drum set yeah we sold everything we were just um we barely had any expenses we got rid of a lot of our cell phone i think we were you know we had our cars that we were paying off our cars and so we're now completely debt free except for our mortgage wow good for you um but it was it was hard work six years of really hard work yeah what was the inspiration that made the difference for you? Did you just get tired and figured out on your own? Did you read a book? Did you, you know, hear a, a, a radio show or a podcast or meet a friend? What made the difference for you as far as the catalyst? Well, I know that um, we did uh, listen to some Dave Ramsey CDs. Awesome. Did um, someone give that, it to you as a gift? or? Uh, I think it was Mark's brother. Okay. Your brother gave it to me. Yeah. Just let us listen to him. So I remember on one car trip on the way from Charlotte back to New York, we listened to one of his CDs. Um, so that was a, that was a catalyst for us. But then also we just really, I don't know, we were just so sick and tired of being broke. Mm -hmm. Like, and 
And we really decided, you know, we kind of sat down and figured out our values for our family and realized that we were spending our money and we felt completely out of control. And so that was kind of the, the catalyst for us. We were just sick and tired of being broke all the time and just realized we need to just really get really serious about this and, and kind of extreme and, you know, just started making drastic changes and everybody thought we were crazy, but now they're like, wow, <laughs> you did a good job. <laughs> you know, it's, Absolutely. And it's funny, you know, when we talk to people about our, our journey to, you know, become debt-free and much more financially um, independent, you know, people think about becoming debt-free as this big moment, but it really wasn't for us. I feel like the biggest moment was this one night when we were in that little apartment. We had just moved in there, and we were sitting on the couch at night, and we just decided we were going to do it. And we were going to change everything, and that's when I decided to put my drum set up on eBay, and we just decided to sell everything. That was the most significant moment in our journey to, mm-hmm. to get out of debt and become financially independent. Yeah, that was, that was the most significant one, much more significant than actually becoming debt-free because we had already decided that's what we were going to do. Mm-hmm. I used to listen to – I don't actually remember the source of this, but they were talking about um, sailing – and they said the, the most difficult decision is the decision that you make to go on a round-the-world sailing trip. And it's not, uh, it's not based – the most difficult time is not actually when you're leaving the dock and you know, casting off the bow line for, to, to head off into the, to, to the you know, great blue sea. It's the decision months and years earlier to decide I'm going to do it. And then from then on, it's just a very simple set of steps. And it seems I've noticed the same thing with finance is that there's not actually that much intrigue to the process of becoming financially free. It's more the decision, and then it's just a matter of following the steps consistently for enough time with enough focus and intensity, depending on what your situation is. And eventually, you will get there if you don't quit. It seems like so many things in life are like that. that if you simply don't quit, success is guaranteed if you don't quit. But somehow we often labor under this uh, this idea that uh, you know it's possible this this thing won't happen for me. And very much, you know, there there are going to be hiccups. There's going to be things that happen. There are going to be setbacks. But if you don't quit, success is guaranteed. It's only, you know, failure is guaranteed if you quit. Uh, so <laughs> it's interesting because right. I, I, I really, that really resonates with me as far as there being a decision and you say, okay, this is it. We're going to do it. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, you know, our brain was already there. Right. We yeah. just had to make reality follow what we had decided. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's, a, that's an awesome analogy about uh, sailing around the world. Yeah, I like that. Right. It's the decision. It's it, it really is. The the process mm-hmm. is simple with with almost every life decision, you know. Going to get married? Well, the decision starts within the, the day you decide, "Okay, I'm going to get married." From then on, it's just follow the steps, you know. We're going right. to plan the wedding. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're not going to do. Uh it, it's it's fairly straightforward. So you fast make the decision to not not quit. Right. You know, like, right. Same with marriage, like if divorce isn't an option, then you'll figure out how to get through it those tough times and Absolutely. you know, going back into debt isn't an option, then you'll figure out a way to make it work. Right. That's actually, I have a, have the quote that's on my desktop is, is this one. It says, uh, tired of starting over, stop giving up. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and uh, to me, that's the quote that's been on my desktop for the last six months, I think. Simply that, you know, if you're tired of starting over, just stop giving up and you never have to start over again. You just got to keep going. Mm-hmm. So oh, fast. Steal that one. Yeah, steal it. Like steal that. it. 
Fast forward, you guys make it pretty though, because the ones on my background isn't one of those pretty ones. So you guys, your, your sites are beautiful. You you got the design skills. Make it some beautiful, uh, you know, inspiring picture with beautiful text. You know, Instagram worthy, right? <laughs> or yeah, we'll, we'll send it over to you. <laughs> Good. Then I can update the ugly one that's on mine. So fast forward, now you have four children, right? Mm-hmm. And do you still live in the seven hundred square foot apartment? No, we uh, we actually bought a pretty modest sized home that. Is about seventeen hundred square feet. Awesome. Um, we, we upgraded to a one hundred year old house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Built in the early nineteen hundreds. Um, so yeah, we, we we own a home now, but we definitely bought uh, a lot less than what we can afford because we we didn't want to be ever house, house poor again. Right. So, the, but the cool thing about where we live now is, you know, we actually almost did upgrade again into a bigger house, but we found a way to make this one work and. Our minds are just set on staying in this house forever now. Mm-hmm. You know, we're kind of done with the upgrade mentality. Yeah. So we refinished our attic, and so we have an extra bedroom, and now our office is in in the attic. So, so yeah, we like it. And you are full time entrepreneurs now. Yes, we are. Yep. Yeah. So Mark quit his job uh, about nine months ago. It was as an January actuary. of this year. Yep. Um, as an actuary, and now we're full time entrepreneurs, uh, working out of our house getting to be with our family, and, and it's just a dream come true. And that's something we never really thought about when we started this journey to you know become financially free. We never really even took into account what it would allow our lifestyle to do, how much freedom we would have in mm-hmm. our lifestyle. We never really even thought about that. Yeah. But it's something we've taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't have been possible uh, or it would have been a lot more difficult if you hadn't lowered your basically your your monthly expenses right right yeah and if we had never worked as hard to get out of debt i mean we when we were working so hard to get out of debt it just always felt like this is the way it's always going to be we're never going to be debt free and then we we made that decision on the couch that one night like mark had said and then we decided you know we're going to be debt free and and this is going to be awesome and i never in a million years would have thought that mark would have quit his job so that we could really pursue our passion of teaching people how to do what we did and it's funny that we're we can do this because you've really because of the couponing skills that you learned way back when. Yeah, yeah. So I know you wrote an entire book on that, but I'd like mm-hmm. to tr- I'd like to pivot and talk about couponing. Okay. This is, and I'm interested to know: a, where do you start uh, if somebody is interested in learning uh, about couponing? Where do you start, and how do you figure out where you're going to get the most bang for the buck? Right. So couponing, you know, I wrote a book um, called How to Coupon Effectively. And that book kind of walks you through it step by step, you know, even things like where to find coupons, where to find the best coupons, how to use them. And, you know, couponing is great, but I just, when I'm teaching people how to coupon, I'm teaching people more how to do strategic grocery shopping. So couponing is great, but a lot of times people who don't know how to coupon the right way will actually end up spending more money and becoming more broke because they're not using them the right way. So coupons are kind of like icing on the cake. So when I'm looking at a grocery bill, like let's say I'm working because we will counsel couples and I'll teach teach them how to cut their grocery bill back is the first step is I tell them is that you really need to be focusing on what's on sale that week. So take out your grocery store flyer, see what's on sale. You know, the, the pages, the, the front page of your grocery store flyer has what are called loss leaders. Mm-hmm. Loss leaders are items that are uh, on such a deep discount that usually the store is losing money on them. 
And the reason why they put them on the front of the ad is because they want to entice you to come into their store because the, those prices are so good. Mm -hmm. And then you buy the rest of your groceries there. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you have multiple grocery stores in the same area, you know, when we lived in Charlotte, I had five different grocery stores within like a 10 mile radius. So what I would do is I would go to all five of those stores. Now, I wouldn't do that now, but back in my crazy days, I would go to all five stores and only shop the loss leader sales off the front page. So I would kind of stock up on those items mm -hmm. that were in their loss leaders. But so what couponing, how it really works is so you, you find the item when it's on sale and then you use a coupon with that item. A lot of the biggest mistake I think people use when they're starting to use coupons is they get a coupon and then they like head right out and they use it. But then they're really not saving a ton of money. Because they're buying something they wouldn't have bought anyways. Right. So, you know, coupons are another source of marketing. And so you need to pay attention and use them to your benefit, not to the marketer's benefit. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's how you get started. So is sites like yours, so your site is IamThatLady.com. Right. Sites like yours, what is the primary value that they bring to your your readers and subscribers? Is it that they are primarily telling what the deals are for this week, what the loss leaders are, where to get the coupons? How does it actually work? Like, What, what do you actually do on the sites? Well, what you do is, so with I Am That Lady, um, we do what are called coupon matchups. So what okay. coupon matchups are, are we take grocery store flyers from like Walmart and Rite Aid and CVS and Walgreens, and we match the sales up for that week with the coupons that are out there. Okay. To show you the kind of the rock bottom price. So ultimately what my goal is on I Am That Lady is is really to make saving very, very simple. That somebody doesn't have to go through the grocery store flyer themselves to find those deals. They can come right to I Am That Lady. They can look and see what deals are out there for their store. Figure, you know, so they don't have to figure it all out. It's just super duper easy. And then I, you know, I do articles and meal plans. We do you have Aldi's near you? Mm -hmm. Oh, we have one. Okay. okay, so we put together Aldi meal plans on that site so that people can. Um, they're all like, so we just launched a recent one: twenty meals for one hundred and fifty dollars at Aldi, and that includes a Thanksgiving feast. Okay. So, so we're trying to make it super easy for like the typical mom who's busy and doing a thousand things at once to come get their coupon matchups, see what's on sale, see what kind of deals they can find at other stores, find frugal living tips, recipes, and then these meal plans. So then the business model is that the, that you run basically a membership site. Right? So people, who, are there extra benefits or how does it work between membership versus not membership from a business perspective? There's actually no membership. Really? Um, with, so, yeah, with I Am That Lady, there's no membership. So your it's, site is based on, on advertising? Yeah, advertising. Wow. Well, there's actually probably there's probably about ten different revenue streams that I get from I Am That Lady, and I have to be. It's it's kind of you know running a, a coupon frugal living website is is pretty labor intensive. I would um, imagine. Yeah, it's very labor intensive. We actually have a team of six people that help us run that site um, because I just I, there's no way that I could be doing that and being running our other site and being a good mom and a good wife. Like it's just right. impossible. Right. So our revenue stream for that, we have, you know, if people print coupons from the site, we get revenue. We have ad revenue. We have sponsored content. Uh, I get paid to do some videos. Uh, Mark, chime in too whenever. 
I, well, we actually you, you mentioned the, the Aldi meal plans. Um, one of the things that we do is we prepare it. You know, they, they can get all of the recipes and the list of things they would get at the grocery store for free. But if they want to have a a nice, pretty PDF package, mm-hmm. they can purchase that for a buck ninety seven. So a lot of people do that. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yep. So we monetize that way. Uh, Amazon. You know, I do a lot of um, affiliate marketing on there. Um, and yeah. you also do some social media consulting. Yep. That's sort of I outside think. of I'm That Lady. But, um, right. right. Yeah, there are a lot of revenue streams. Yeah, so we do a lot of different. There's probably about 10 of them. Just what intrigues me is I like the the, the thing about the, the coupon uh, site the, with the idea being that you're directly, you know, people who are your clients, your readers, your your are basically directly paying in some some way for convenience, which mm-hmm. is awesome because, like you say, somebody can go out and do this all on their own, or they can just simply buy somebody else's time to do it, and it's a win-win-win all across the board. It's one of the as I look at the business models, I just think what a great what a great deal. It's a win for the it's a win for the manufacturers and the stores because they're selling their products and people are there. That's the whole reason that they're providing the coupons. It's mm-hmm. a win for you. The person who's doing the work of 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 integrating the content and bringing it together, and then reselling that content in a more convenient form for the you know the mom going shopping, and it's a win Mm -hmm. for her because she saves time with a small with a small amount of money. Now, I I thought yours was a subscription site, but if it's even based just simply on you know a a few purchases here or there or the ads, it's that sounds like a great a great. I like the business model. Well, thank you, and it's. You know, it's definitely challenging to keep up with all the different revenue streams, but also what's kind of cool is that if one revenue stream goes down, we also have these other nine revenue streams which we can really tap into. So yeah, you know, yeah, we're pretty diversified. Yeah, we're very diversified and, and, and very strategic uh, with with the things that we come up in. It's kind of been cool because I've I, you know, been doing these Aldi meal plans. This is my fourth one that we've done this year, and now Aldi is you know asking me to do some work with them. So now I've opened up this other revenue stream because I was doing something that I was passionate about and that, you know, made it easy for my readers. Now we have opened up this whole other revenue stream and relationship with Aldi that that is really valuable to me. That is really cool. That's very cool. We do have a membership site, though. That's the com. um, This is your new site. Yes. And that that one is geared more towards personal finance and really personal finance with, you know, couples in mind. Mm -hmm. People who might be in a similar situation. Um, that that we were in a few years ago, and we have some some budgeting tools. We just put a you know a pretty cool mortgage calculator up there, and a debt reduction tool, and um, those are available via subscription. Okay, very cool. Uh, so we'll switch in a, in a couple minutes. I want to ask a couple more questions on the coupons. We'll switch to kind of personal finance uh, for couples and see what you are learning about that. Okay. The reason that I'm trying to emphasize. Uh, you know the the couponing without going into kind of the couponing details mm-hmm. uh, is is and I don't know how maybe you can affect. I mean, you've you've got a, a whole book on how to get started with couponing, so I don't want to try to recreate a book in an audio form. But what I'm fascinated right. by is the business model because you know to me it's such a pure business model of just simply seeing a need. And I get a lot of questions from listeners asking, "How do I you know start a business?" And to me, I think the business is just simply you see a need and you fill it, and then the business often comes out of that. How did right. you actually get started with the site? Like, what was the actual if once you started couponing? What was the the story behind building the site and building the business? Well, I first started um, actually teaching coupon seminars. So I was teaching coupon seminars when we lived in Charlotte, and I wasn't charging for them. I was just doing them for free at like local churches or ministries or whatever who would ask me to come in. And then 
you know, we moved back to New York. Well, we'll back up real quick because when we were in Charlotte, there were a few online resources. Yes. Right. Yep. That we would, that I would read. And so I kind of knew the whole blogging thing. Um, I knew that you could do it. So when we moved back here, I started couponing again and doing what I do. And after a few months, you know, I'd post my shopping trips on Facebook and all my friends would see it. And they decide, you know, I, I said, they said, can you teach us how to do this? So I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to do, I'm going to do a grocery saving seminar and I'm actually going to, you know, come up with a booklet and I made a booklet and I charged $10 a person for it. And I had 30 people show up that night. So what I did is I took that $300 and I started a website with it because I didn't, I, I just thought there weren't many resources in the central New York area that really had like a lot of local, local deals. Um, well, and you were doing all the work yourself. So you figured you might as well just share it with right. everybody else who was asking for it. Right. So that's, that's how I am. That lady got started was, was out of a pure need that I, you know, I was doing all this work and I might as well share it with my friends because they wanted it. So I, you know, was doing dishes one night and just kind of thinking about a name, trying to figure out how to name a website. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, you know, really no background in website design or I, I had taken an HTML class in college. So I knew a little bit of coding, but not a ton. Right. And so I just thought, okay, well, I'm just going to do it because I really, you know, we were still going out, getting out of debt and uh, we actually were looking toward sending our our son to private kindergarten next year. So, and we didn't have money to pay for that. So I thought, you know, if I can start this website and maybe make like, maybe, maybe I can make $300 a month to pay for his schooling. Like mm -hmm. that would be a huge blessing to our family. And so <clears throat> I was doing the dishes one night trying to come up with a name and I'm like, I just, I just don't know. I just don't know what to call myself. Cause I'm just, I'm just that crazy lady that like loves to coupon or whatever. And I just thought I am that lady. I am that lady. And I like rushed over the computer and I checked the domain that was available. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So that's how <laughs> that domain got started. And, um, you know, since then, so it's been four and a half years, um, the income on that site has pays for three of our children to go to private school. And it retired my husband from corporate America. But it's funny. I mean, that, so her goal was to make about 300 bucks a month to pay for our son's school. And I mean, for the first six months, no, eight months. Eight months. You didn't. I didn't make anything. Make, I, mean, I mean, you might have made like fifty bucks a month. I mean, I, I was working like sixty hours a week for nothing, right? To just build up that audience, and I, you know, it's weird. I, I didn't. I started it to make money, but I didn't know what it what it would turn into, um, and so that's kind of how I got started. About two months after I started the website, I got a phone call from a local news station. They wanted me to come on and talk about couponing. And so I've been on TV ever since. I, I've been on national TV, uh, local television uh, for the past four years. So that's kind of helped me become a known and respected, you know, frugal living expert in, in my area and, and given the website a lot of um, credibility as well. Right. The, the neat thing about it and what I hear in, in that story is one of the reasons why I think entrepreneurship can fit so many needs is that there are so many benefits that can be stacked through entrepreneurship. So let's say that you, let's say that you, you said originally you got your thousand dollar grocery bill from a thousand dollars to, uh, to 200 or to 400 to 200. Okay. So if we do, if we say you saved $800 uh, a month, a lot of times, uh, people just say, Oh, the $800 a month. And that is 
pretty darn impressive. But if you recognize that in, if you eliminate $800 a month of cost, then through, through the couponing, and let's just do mm-hmm. some quick math. I'll do it all. Let's say, so let's say, first of all, you save on the employment taxes that you had to pay in order to earn that money. So that's 7.65% because right. Mark was working as an actuary. So that's $61.20. Then let's say you save on your income taxes. And depending on, I'll use an effective bracket of 20%, just assuming you know state and, and federal, if you're in a, in a state that card charges them, that's going to vary depending on the family. But let's just say $800, 20%. So that's $160. And then you save probably on sales tax. I don't know if your state uh, where you were uh, did it have a sales tax? Uh, in Charlotte, did it have a sales tax? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. So in, but, in my state in Florida, we do. We have a six percent. We have a six percent sales tax. So okay. the, I'm not sure that may change based upon the coupon as far as what it is. But let's say so. Then again, you have eight hundred dollars and you save six percent on sales tax. That's forty eight dollars. If you add that together, your eight hundred dollars of savings plus sixty one dollars and twenty cents for employment taxes plus one hundred and sixty dollars for income taxes plus forty eight dollars of sales taxes. That's effectively like earning one thousand sixty nine. Then if you turn that into a business and you say, okay, I I was able to cut this. That was effectively like earning $1,069.20. You can turn it into a business. Now you have the ability to add some part of your your, uh, uh, business expenses in uh, and to to generate some income, but then deduct some of your business expenses. So now a portion of of your car trips where you're going to the grocery store to check out uh, options. Now that portion of that mileage is deducted. Now, some portion of your uh, computer costs, whatever is associated with the business or your printer paper or things like that, whatever is associated with the business, it starts to add up. And the key is that you can start to add some of these uh, you, know, you can start to add some of these benefits and just simply, even if the business never took off to the point where it was able to send three kids to private school and allow your husband to quit his actuary job, at least you were starting to accumulate benefits by doing something that served you and by having a business that was a need that you had in your life. And that's how you stack benefits. So in the same way that you can stack coupons and the coupon people, you guys talk about, you find the deal when it's on sale, then it's discounted, then you add the coupon, then you add the local. And, and like that's how you get the, the, the $4 item for six and a half cents. Mm-hmm. The same thing happens from a financial planning perspective through entrepreneurship. Yep, that's a great that's a great point. And you know, I always looked at couponing as a an, as an hourly wage. You know, like mm-hmm. if I'm sitting down for an hour and taking an hour to clip coupons and plan out a shopping trip and save a hundred bucks, it's like making fifty dollars an hour. So right. that was that became my job for a little while. Right, but it's also making like like you say, Josh, it's like making fifty dollars an hour of tax free money. Right. Yeah. So so if you were gonna guess using some of the resources, just ballpark, what would you say an average person, if they were gonna cut their grocery bill from a thousand dollars to two hundred dollars today, uh and t- with all the resources that now exist that you've created and others have created would that be eight hours a month, 12 hours a month? How much extra work do you think that would be? Um, I would say between eight and 10 hours okay. a month. So let's call it 10 hours a month. So I, I said $800 a month. If you can cut your expenses by 1000 to 200 and we're assuming you get a similar or the same quality of uh, of. of you know the same standard of of products and food and all that kind of stuff, which is a whole separate question. But a thousand sixty nine dollars and twenty cents of savings, including the tax discounting, divided by ten, comes out to an hourly wage of one hundred and six dollars and ninety two cents mm. per hour. 
on a ten, on ten hours a month. It's really good. Yeah. And this is one of the themes that I look at, and I and I you know I tell people you live how you want to live, but I just think that it doesn't make a lot of sense. Many families are dual income families, and both both mom and dad are working very very hard to uh, to, to you know to make money. And I oftentimes look at their budgets, and I'm sitting there talking with them about their goals, and I find that many families, mom wants to be home with kids, and mm-hmm. says I would like to be home, but they don't see a way to ha- a way for it to do, for it to happen. But through efforts like these that take time, I am convinced that unless mom is making a very high income, that the quality of life can actually be better and higher if she'll stay home and spend time focusing on some of these things that take time and some of these savings abilities. Yeah. Uh, it, it's and the the and I could go through example after example after example, but that's that would be one example of how I would get there. You, you're earning an effective wage of $107 an hour if it indeed takes you 10 hours of extra work per month to save $800 on coupons. Right. And you know what, Josh? One thing you didn't take into account too was childcare. Right. You know, when I was working out of the house, I was paying a child, you know, childcare. So, and, and when I'm teaching these grocery savings seminars that I still teach, and that is, that is the main message that I'm trying to, to share with people is that, you know, you are so stressed out all the time because you have to pay for, you know, childcare and you need this and you need this and you need this. But what if you just stopped and, you know, focused on not going out to eat and not spending money and learning how to cut your grocery bill back and being very, very, you know, not going on many vacations and all of those kind of things, your life would change. And that was one of the big reasons why Mark quit his job Mm -hmm. um, this past year is because we desired a different quality of life. We were both working pretty much full time. You know, I was working full time on the site. He was working full time and we just got sick of it. And we, we realized a way to make it work. And, and that was a, that was better for us. And that, and that lifestyle choice, you know, you mentioned that, you know, a lot of, you know, moms do want to stay home with, with their kids. And, you know, that's, that's true. And that lifestyle that, that you just long to live, that has some sort of financial value. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I don't know, it might be worth different things to, to different people. But, you know, if you just sit down and talk about it, okay, how much does this mean to me? Mm-hmm. And... You'll make it work. Right. And, and like you say, it's, it might not hurt financially as bad as many people think it will because there's other ways to make up that income through, through saving. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I'm convinced more than anything, it's, a, it's just simply a choice. You know, for mm-hmm. my wife and I, we were never willing to consider the possibility of otherwise. I'm still not. Uh, you know, I would, I would if, if, I, if I needed to, and that's what I'm doing now, if I needed to, I would work two or three jobs so that she could be at home. Uh, I would make, to me, it makes, it's, it's in line with what our goals are and our vision is for our family. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know, some, a lot of people, they're not, they're not, they don't have, they have questions about, well, how do I do it? And I'm convinced that if you want, to do it, then this is one very valuable uh, aspect is by by allowing and showing the possibilities of the savings that can be had through through basically the division of labor. And mm-hmm. it's a very valid economic concept that can be applied uh, in our own families. And everything in our society is predicated <coughs> essentially on convenience. And that's why we live in this strange, twisted, weird world where on the one hand, you can be a high-earning Mary Kay rep or a high-earning drug and alcohol counselor and a, high, and a relatively high-earning actuary, and you can spend all of your money and you can consume it all, or you can switch to being a, a, a lower-earning uh, entrepreneur and have a better quality of life. 
life. Well, the way to get there is to see through the mirage that is called measuring everything in terms of income and an external uh, dollar dollar price, you know, life dollar tagged lifestyle, um, you know, lifestyle expenses. To see through that and see to the the deeper level, which is what are the values that are important to you and what is the value that you can get with your money. You pay, we pay for convenience, and I think that's entirely uh, perfectly fine and acceptable. But you should do it because of a choice. Right. Yeah, and you know, you bring up a good point about you know this whole facade of a lifestyle, and and that's why we started our other website, Mark and Lauren G. Is um, you know the the tagline of the site is the new American dream. So getting rid of the keeping up with the Joneses mentality and really kind of figuring out your value system and why you know you want to live the life you want and get back to a simpler, happier lifestyle, kind of one that was similar to like the way our grandparents grew up. Right. Um, and that's our whole passion is is just that simpler, happier life. Like we've been that couple that keeps up with the Joneses and tries to look the part. And and let me tell you, it's not fun and it's not uh, as rewarding as as you want it to be because there's always more and there's always something more that you want. And so we are kind of recovered keeping up with the Joneses people and really have a passion for helping other Americans kind of get their life back in and be like, it's okay to drive around a junker van. Like, who cares? Right. You know, <laughs> it's okay. You don't look the part. That's okay. Right. But it really takes it really takes a change in mindset, viewpoint, a clarification of values, and a lot of self confidence mm-hmm. to be able to do that. And the trouble is that many of us in our culture we struggle with self confidence. And when you struggle with self confidence, and you're not able to when you struggle with self-confidence, then you feel like you need to impress certain other people. And the problem is, is that the key, you know, many people, not all people, you know, again, if, if you have money and you just like buying stuff that you like buying, go for it. All the, all the more power to you. I don't have any problem with that. But there are many people that I have worked with, and it sounds like you were uh, a couple in this situation, who that's not the situation. And rather what they're trying to do is you're trying to fill an emotional need that you have uh, of maybe a lack of self-confidence, a lack of love, mom and dad didn't spend time with me, I, you know, whatever it is, you're trying to fix that need with money. And the real, like, value would be to fix the problem and not spend money on it, but fix the underlying problem and then you're free of it. Uh, mm-hmm. In some ways, I consider myself um, privileged uh, because of where I live, just simply to see, like, every single scale of wealth where I live. And I always notice this when I go out. Uh, when I go out boating, I don't have, I don't own a boat. I don't particularly wish to own a boat. Anybody who's born and raised in Florida knows that the best kind of boat to have is a buddy's boat, uh, because then <laughs> <laughs> really is far more intelligent to, to have a friend that has a boat than to have a boat yourself. But mm-hmm. when I go out on the water, it, it, it's so funny because there's always in the world of boating, there's always another step. And so if you're out in your 19 foot center console, there's the guy that's got the 20, you know, the 25 foot contender there. And then if you got the 25 foot contender, you're looking over at the 37 foot Bahama. And then if you're in the 37-foot Bahama, you know, you're looking up at this 58-foot yacht. And then if you drive your 58-foot yacht down the, down the intercoast, all of a sudden you find the guy has got the 145-foot European-styled yacht. And, it's, and then if you're, you know, it never ends. Yep. And yep. so the key is to recognize, like, I can get on a paddleboard for, you know, buy a paddleboard on Craigslist for, what, 600 bucks, uh, or borrow one or rent one. And I can get on a paddleboard, and I can paddle my paddleboard over with a cooler to the same exact sandbar where the $120,000 boat is pulled up. 
and I can hang out on the sandbar on Saturday in the sunshine in my beach chair with a cooler full of cold drinks, and I don't have to spend the hundred twenty thousand dollars. Right. But if I'm trying to solve a need, an emotional need that I have, then I may <laughs> I may have to spend the hundred twenty thousand bucks. Now mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not mad at boats. I've got a lot of friends that have some <laughs> fancy boats, and I like going out on them. But the key is is that do it out of surplus when you know your lifestyle is squared away, and then you just enjoying the luxury spending because you can easily afford it. Don't don't right, build your right. lifestyle on it. Right. So. You know, that's it really is a, a mindset change. And you know, it's funny being here at the point we are now, I can think back to the way my, my brain used to work way back then. I didn't even realize I was doing this, but I feel like I I don't know if there was an emotional need or or something, but I just know that I was always just thinking of like the next thing to get, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you know, when I have a little more money, then I'll get a nicer car. I was always just looking for the next upgrade. And I, you know, I, I don't know why, because we all know that it never makes you happy, but I was just stuck in this cycle of mm-hmm. always thinking like I had to get like the next cool thing. And we're, we're kind of the non upgrade family right now. We, we don't really care. We, you know, we have a van that has 140,000 miles on it. We're starting to, we, you know, we're putting money aside for a new one and, you know, we own it and it's our little pride and joy and uh, mm-hmm. we don't care what other people think, but that does take self-confidence. A lot of people don't have that, but that was something that we had to practice and build up upon. It wasn't, didn't come natural to us. Right. And what's, what's funny is that if you can change your mindset and then I want to move on to kind of talking about some of the, what you've learned as a couple working with money together. But if you can change your mindset about what you value, uh, I read an article the other day that, uh, uh, parrot didn't parody it, it. It's advice that I have given somebody else one time, and I. In the advice was, what's the most intelligent um, choice that a young man can make as far as vehicle choice? And the problem is, and, and and the article was saying that any intelligent young man who has half a clue about his life, the very best kind of car that he could buy would be to be a, would be to buy a minivan, and that it's it's they're the best value on the road. They they are wonderful wonderfully versatile vehicles. They're relatively inexpensive. They're useful in all circumstances. And so somebody who's focused on building up a, a life would, uh, would ideally, uh, an intelligent you know, 21-year-old young man would buy a minivan. But when's the last time you saw a single, young, intelligent 21-year-old man <laughs> driving a minivan? Doesn't happen, right? It's either some um, you know, big old pickup truck or some fancy, flashy car or something like that. Now, th- there's a reason for that is because we, it's, you know, it's enti- I, I call it signaling theory. We have to signal who we are and what we want and, and whether it's we're trying to signal something to our, uh, to our mate or, or whatever, to our peers of our success. We try to sig- signal something off. But if you're clear on what your value values are and you're clear on what you're trying to signal like it would not serve me to signal you know i i i value <laughs> i value the signals that are thrown off by driving a minivan now i, I wasn't mature enough at 21 to do that but <laughs> but now i am so it's always easier i just say ch- change what you value and focus on what you're actually trying to do instead of focusing on uh trying to compensate for who you're not with with your purchases so. yeah, as long as you're talking about minivans it just me and my one of my best friends, Tim, we have this thing. You know how motorcyclers, when they pass each other on the road, they do like this little wave? Right, right. I think that guys driving minivans should develop the same sort of wave. <laughs> like, hey, what's up, man? Well, and also, you know, so we bought our first house at 21. Or were we 22? Mm-hmm. We were 21. And then we bought our first minivan at 21 as well. And we didn't have kids yet. Good but for you. Mark, 
Mark bought it. See, see, we started off good out of college. We really did. And then we got whole wrapped up in this whole mentality and just went downhill from there. But we had a minivan at 21 or 22 and we called it big red because it was red. And, uh, we drove that for a few years because Mark was like, why would I get a truck? If it's just going to put something in the back, at least I can get a minivan. We can fit, you know, some sheetrock in there Mm -hmm. because he likes to do woodworking and then we can at least carpool with people. So we did have a minivan before we had kids. Yeah, but that's I, Josh. I do like your your theory about just yeah. You want to signal who you are. Like you make everybody has to have a car, and you always feel like okay, this car has to represent who I am or who I'm trying to be. Hmm. Yeah, it's like I, I very. <laughs> I don't want to give myself too much credit because maybe I, in in retrospect, it's easy to it's easy to. Uh, think that I was, you know, more intelligent and more mature than I actually was. <laughs> it's tough to find, you know, it's tough to imagine at 21. I mean, I made some I made some good decisions, some dumb ones. But I knew I never wanted to I didn't want to drive a sports car because I would I didn't want to attract the type of woman that was attracted to a sports car. Mm-hmm. And like that the 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 number two biggest decision that you make in your life is the spouse that you marry. And if you want to look at what is going to either make or break just about every aspect of your life, it's the spouse that you marry. So I loved I always thought sports cars were awesome, but I didn't want to attract. I, I, I wanted to attract a type of the type of woman that wasn't going to be looking at me and saying, "Oh, he's got a you know a sweet red sports car. Look how cool he is." I, that wasn't for me. I would rather attract her with the minivan and attract that type of woman. And later on, then we'll rent the sports car and enjoy it, you know, together. After I've already cemented the fact that she's not after me because of my car. Same thing with money. It's like if I if I'd had money, <laughs> if I'd had money, I would have I would have hidden it, you know. Because I don't want I don't want I don't want to attract someone who's into me for my money. Uh, mm-hmm. That's death to to a relationship. I would I would uh, now you know thankfully I didn't have any money. <laughs> I barely had any money. <laughs> so we were broke college students. Right. That way. <laughs> we didn't have any money. But it's a major it's a major issue. So let me get off my soapbox and I want to ask you about some of the lessons that you've learned of trying to integrate within the context of a marriage uh, from a perspective of very different financial pasts to hopefully come to a place where you may be able to communicate a little bit more about money. What are, what are some of the lessons that you've learned uh, through your journey in, I guess you said, the nine or 12 years you've been married now? Yeah. I, I think the most important one that we learned is if we could do everything all over again, you know, we would have had a conversation about, okay, what is actually important to us? We would have had that conversation much earlier than we did. And it took us so long to get there. And I, I don't know why. Yeah, we call it our financial bucket list. So why don't you explain, Mark, a little bit more kind of well, about what that is? Sure. It's just deciding as a couple, okay, these are the things that, you know, we hope to do in life. These are the milestones we want to achieve. These are what's really important to us because I, you know, I got to imagine that if a couple newly married um, sat down and, and did that together, really talked about what was important to them, they probably wouldn't on that list it wouldn't be like you know driving you know driving a, buying a luxury car in a year. Maybe some people would, uh, but I got to think that most wouldn't because that's not something that's like it's not. It's not something that people would say, that's what I value. That represents me. Um, so come up with a list of things that really represent who you are um, and decide that that's where you're going to put your money towards. Yeah. So one thing I think that we didn't do, you know, kind of piggybacking off of what Mark said is we never sat down and, and said, okay, this is where, you know, because I think your your values are played out in the way that you spend your money, right? So mm-hmm. um 
with us, we, we would just spend our money and not talk about it. And for so long, we didn't talk about it. We didn't talk about what our money meant to us and what it can, can do for us. And, you know, you sit down and write your values out and then you get together and you realize that what you both want in life with your money isn't the same. And so being able to talk about that. So that's why we talk about creating this financial bucket list of these are the things that you want to do as a couple and decide together that this is where your money is going to go. And that is super important because then it's a team project. Right. And when you don't talk about it, the money just, just goes, Mm -hmm. you know, and we, we had these values. We just never talked about them. So we didn't invest in the things that we truly felt like should be invested in because we never had a conversation. Right. And then, and then the, the fingers come out and you start pointing fingers at each other because you didn't talk about it, but really both of you are at fault. And, you know, we got into that finger pointing thing for a little while, but once we sat down and really figured out where we wanted to go and um, had that kind of list of, of the things we wanted to do, then then we were a team going together. And then every decision we made was together. And if somebody messed up, it was, you know, a mistake. And then we got right back on board and we did it together. And I think that's what's missing so much with couples and, and finances right now is that the whole together aspect, you know, isn't there. Like some a lot of couples don't even combine finances anymore. They have their own paychecks go to their own checking account and then they're paying for certain bills out of their account and I just think that's that's just the wrong way to deal with that you're going to have money issues yeah, it's not only a good financial move it's also just been great for our, our relationship mm-hmm. I feel like we're, we're closer we know you know we, we we know what's what's going on in each other's brains you know we're just we're just honest with each other and we're just on the same page in many aspects of our life mm-hmm. I have definitely observed that if, he, if <laughs> kind of a common theme is simply decide what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And to me, I, I mean, one of the things that's important to me is not to tell people what they should decide to do with their life. Uh, but the, the difference, you know, some people, some people, it's easy to pick on luxury cars, but I'll tell you what, uh, there's a massive trend happening and I've seen more news articles on it. I, I, I think I started thinking about it a little bit later, but I've been seeing so many more news articles um, talking about it over the last uh, I don't know, six months or a year. There's a massive trend among young people to, uh, away from cars. Uh, and But now we spend practically as much on cell phones or mm. <laughs> yep. other things. So we're going to have to shift our analogies uh, as generations go on, we're going to, have to shift our analogies away from luxury cars because young people, you know, don't seem to be that interested in cars as they are in having the latest fancy gadgets. Uh, yeah. But the key is, like, if you want a luxury car, and if that's important to you, write it down on a list and say, "Hey, I want a luxury car." I mean, Mary mm-hmm. Kay has given out more pink Cadillacs, and that's motivating to people, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, cool, awesome. If if you value that, go for it. Just consider, however what the cost of that would be. For example, mm-hmm. would you rather have a luxury car or would you rather go to Europe for a year? Well, if you'd rather have a luxury car, go for it. Uh, would you rather have a luxury car or would you rather be financially independent? If you'd rather have a luxury car, go for it. But the, the key is just deciding what it is and then that process, I think that process of writing things down and working towards them allows you to at some point and say, you know what, I don't value this goal anymore. I'm going to scratch it off and move on. Right. Uh, yep. And what happens in our society feels to me like we're often just distracted to death, where we're moving not purposely with a vision for what we're accomplishing in our life. Rather, we're being reactive, and we're reacting to the latest advertisement. We're reacting to the fact that Tom did such and such, and I want to copy Tom. We're reacting to the fact that you know we're trying to fill this need that we've never filled instead of moving purposefully with a vision. Right, exactly. Yeah, if you, I mean, but, so you can really waste a ton of money just by not 
writing those things down because too much time goes by and you, you keep spending money and buying these things before you actually sit down and decide what really actually is important to you as a person or as a couple, then, you know, what, then what, what did you just spend all this money on? Right. Mm-hmm. You no, know, there were things that, like you said, you realized that, hey, these really aren't that important to me. Mm-hmm. And you can't get the money back. Right. You mentioned combining finances. Did you guys combine your finances right from the beginning of your marriage? Or did you, did you start with separate finances and later combine them? What did you do? We combined them right away. I think even be- like a month before we got married, we okay. were kind of in the process of getting everything set up. But yeah, we combined them right away. And, you know, that's what our parents did. So that was kind of what we did. We were both taught taught to do that. And as far as actually practically handling it at this point in your growth, what is what does it actually look like around your house with how you actually go through the process of managing money? Well, we probably talk about it more than ever now, even though we've been on the same page for a long time. Uh, we still sit down before, you know, at the end of every month and we sit down together and plan, you know, the next month's budget. Right. And actually we're doing something kind of crazy on Mark and Lauren G is we actually record that and do a live (laughs) Google hangout. So we got, so, so pretty much, you know, there's people that are brought up that have never seen anybody talk about money before ever. And they don't know how to communicate. So, you know what we thought, why don't we just be guinea pigs? So now we do the last Sunday of every month, we sit down and we do our own personal budget on a live Google Hangout where people can tune in and ask us questions. And so you can see, you know, we'll kind of walk you through it right now, but if you ever want to see it in action, you can always go and watch us do it. Um, but what we found is that, you know, Mark is the actuary. He loves spreadsheets. He, he's a big nerd. Mm-hmm. Love you, honey, but you're a nerd. Um, <laughs> it's okay. I embrace it. And I am like a big vision, big picture, big thinker person. So I always know like what birthdays are coming up, what, how much I need for groceries, how much we need for these budgeted categories. And, you know, so for so long we argued over budgeting. Like I didn't want to be a part of it. He was, he would bring up a spreadsheet that would make me break out into a cold sweat. Like (laughs) I just couldn't handle it. And so we found a way, so he does like the numbers part of, of the spreadsheet. We actually developed a, a easy drag and drop budgeting tool on Mark and Lauren G. Mm -hmm. Um, and, we developed that out of out of the need for our personal relationship because I hate spreadsheets so much. I needed something easy to be able to follow and use, and he but he wanted something so robust as a spreadsheet. So we developed we combined the two into that that tool that we developed. Um, but so so I can like follow along when he's making the budget now, and it doesn't stress me out because it's not a spreadsheet. <laughs> and then so he filled in like all the budgeting, you know what we need to spend, and then I come in and say, okay, well. You know, we have four birthdays this month. This is how much I need for gift money. And then we make those decisions together on, you know, oh, we have a tight month this month. How much can you do on groceries? And I'll say, ah, I think I can do 100 this week. Mm-hmm. And then if we have a little bit extra money, then we'll get like 125, 150 if it's, you know, a crazy week. But so that we kind of, we do it together. And that's, that's how we play off each other. So And it also keeps us focused on our, our long-term goals, too, because mm-hmm. we can talk about, you know, this is how much we're putting um, to our retirement accounts this month. And so it really keeps us thinking both short-term and long-term. Mm-hmm. How much at this point with uh, four kids, so a family of six, are you spending on groceries per month? Any idea? Between four hundred and five hundred a month. That's fantastic. That's yeah, great. so we uh, usually around a hundred dollars a week. Uh, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less. But 
we usually budget 125, I think, and sometimes I don't spend it all, and sometimes I spend right at 125. So when you're doing budgeting, you're doing a very proactive budgeting. We're planning for, you know, it's it's October 31. We're planning now for the month of November, right? You're exactly. doing this in advance. Exactly. Okay. So kind of yeah. the, the, the Dave Ramsey approach, write it down, put down, here's what we're going to do. How it's, do you? It's the only way that worked for us. Mm-hmm. Okay. How do you handle that? Because now with full-time entrepreneurship, I would imagine that your income fluctuates. How have you learned to handle that with regard to fluctuating income? Well, I mean, luckily we've, been able to make more than enough mm-hmm. so it's not so much about you know how much are we bring in this month it's really like how much do we have to you know take out of the business and we try to make that number as small as possible mm-hmm. yeah so we you know bring out like i think this past month our budget we had some budgeted stuff and some healthcare things that we had to take care of so we withdrew five thousand dollars for the month mm-hmm. for the from the business and then everything extra stays in there and we use it uh, and budget that part out for the business. So, um, so that, so that's kind of how we take care of, we haven't had a month where we've been able to, you know, have to, to squeeze out money. We're, we're blessed to be able to make enough for what we need every month. Right. Do you see that? Do you think it's possible that as you continue to grow as a couple that your budgeting system will change? Um, I think that it kind of has changed a little bit. Um, you know, Dave Ramsey talks a lot about using cash for everything. Uh, we use cash for some things, but then we also uh, use credit card for other things to get points, to get airline miles. So uh, we also, um, we don't take cash out for everything. You know, mm-hmm. we take right. cash out for groceries primarily and like miscellaneous money. And that's pretty much it. It's funny. You did mention credit cards. You're going to have to write a yeah post on that. We're not so afraid of credit cards anymore. Yeah, we used to be anti-credit card, but now we're you know, learning how, how we can kind of, uh, integrate them back into our life. And, um, so, so that's, that's how it has changed. Um, the, the proactive budgeting for us has been able to be the, the best thing that we've, that we've found and that works for us. I, I don't think that, I mean, as life changes and things shift, definitely, I think that, uh, you know, we're open to changing and, and all of that, but right now it's what works the best for us yeah, to I, both I stay on top of it. I don't see us stopping our proactive budgeting. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing that we've been able to to do that we can both stay on top of and be involved with. Right. It's uh, the reason I ask is I, I mean I think I'm no, I'm no expert. All I have you know in this area is my personal experience, what's worked for me, and then also talking with other people, but. I think different things work for different people, and mm-hmm. the key is once you've found something that works, make sure that you that you focus on it. Because if you just simply say, "Ah, oh, well, this worked," and <laughs> we used to have a joke in 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 the financial business, so I did this such and such thing, and it really worked, uh, so I stopped doing it. <laughs> and that seems to be <laughs> a lot of times what we do. It's like you know, I went on this diet and it worked. I lost a bunch of weight, so then I stopped doing it, and then I got fat again. Well, duh. <laughs> right. <laughs> you got fat before eating a certain way. Now you went on a diet and that got you skinny and then you went back to how you were eating before so you got fat again. And you know, recognize what works and and keep on doing it. But I sometimes think that there's a difference between habits and uh, and change like the the need to focus on and certain and change certain things over time. And I don't know where this line would be, uh, but I know that for me at a at a stage in my life, proactive 
budgeting looking forward was actually an extremely important uh, an extremely important thing for me to get out of debt and I think that it still is is extremely valuable especially if I get into a situation where I'm, ah, I feel like I'm a little bit loose let me just sit down and kind of run the numbers again uh, but what I actually learned is I think I spent I sometimes so I went from spending a lot of money to not spending much money uh, with the budget and then I my mindset shifted and I I think I figured out that I was actually spending more money than necessary because I had budgeted for a category and I was scared of being deprived. So, uh, so I, I learned this with something like eating out. If I had two hundred dollars set aside and for eating out, then if, if I still had money sitting there in that in that category that I hadn't spent, well, I got to go out. And mm-hmm. so instead of listening to the fact of saying, "Well, I need to," you know, I don't really feel like it. Let me just not. I don't feel like spending that money. Then. Uh, then I would go ahead and say, well, we got we got to go out. And so I think over time there might be a, a change in our lives. And for me, the key thing is to recognize what's working, what's not working. For example, I mean, how long are your budget meetings? Uh, an hour. Yeah. So my wife, she would shoot me if, if we did for an hour. <laughs> well, I mean, it's really because... When, we're doing when, it live. Right. When we host it, right, you know, right. we're, we're talking to people too. If it was just us doing it ourselves, right. uh, maybe 20 minutes. Yeah, right. that's about the uh, attention span that I have. Okay, so good. That, that. So it sounds similar. So I'm the financial nerd. I get it, When I get excited, I make a spreadsheet uh, because yeah. it just, I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. And yeah. my wife is <laughs> like, Josh, <laughs> Joshua, listen, this, why, are you, why are you putting all these spreadsheets here? But you know, here, here's the thing. I have a virtuous wife and she doesn't spend a lot of money. And so, you know, I don't need, I don't have those same um, concerns that maybe, you know, a husband in a different situation and a wife in a different situation where one of them is, is, is a, is a big spender. So I, I just, I love that. I love that you guys can teach what you're learning. And I think that's, that it'll be so helpful for different people to try different things and really follow through uh, with it to, to find something that works. Cause as long yeah. as people are doing something conscious, uh, I've seen. I used to think that only one way worked. Now I've, I've I've seen enough situations though of different people doing different things that work for them, and I've recognized right. that there are multiple multiple approaches that can work. But you gotta find something that works for you. Right. And, so and, sure. Yeah, and, and we're you know we're careful on our you know our budget night you know Google Hangout that you know we just let people know that all we can do is just kind of show you this is what we do. This is what worked for us. Mm-hmm. And so if we can just help people that. You know, maybe our way would work for them too. Mm-hmm. That's that's just what we aim to do. Well, and you know what we do is we have a lot of couples sitting down and watching us together. So it's right. opening up that conversation that they've never had before, maybe. Right. right. And showing them how to communicate, help maybe healthy. Not saying that we're healthy all the time, but I do think that we've kind of got it down to know how to communicate in a healthy manner about money. And you know, we want to share that with people. We want right. we want them to know and and practice it together. And and whatever they want to use. You know, and however they want to budget, if it works for them, then we're all for it. Right. Absolutely. What a cool um, community you can build, though, as far as kind of almost a, a support group and a, a helping to help a, a community of people, uh, couples learn to learn to work well together. What a cool idea. Yeah. Thank you. Anything else I missed that you're excited about? Any other tips or ideas or tactics that that you think would be helpful to the audience as we wrap up? Um, I don't. I think we covered like a good. A good, you know, overview of what of what we do, and you know, our heart really is is really, you know, and I met Lady to help busy moms, and then Mark and Lauren G to help married couples and learn how to budget and get out of debt, and um, we that's just what we do, and we love we love doing it, and we've seen some good success in being able to help people. Very cool. And you just launched a podcast. Tell us about your podcast. What are you talking about on your show? 
Uh, sure. It's the Simpler, Happier Life podcast, and we, we talk just really about issues with money that, that come up between, between uh, couples. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just all about you know, exchanging that overrated, stretched-out American dream for a new dream. Um, of life with financial independence. So we talk a lot about a lot. Most episodes are just Mark and I, you know, bickering back and forth. Uh, you know, if we're going to get in an argument about something, we go grab our mics. <laughs> I think we, I think, was that last week's? Our last week episode was Mark yelling at me. Not yelling. Okay, he wasn't yelling. <laughs> but he was, you know, I had spent money when I shouldn't have. And so, so we really try and keep it as real as possible. We want people to feel like they're in our, you know, in our living room talking with us. And uh, so hopefully we achieve that. Right. What a cool, uh, what a cool idea. Very, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Un, uh, unfiltered. Uh, Un, it's very unfiltered and unedited. Financial yeah. talk unfiltered. It, yeah. it's, it's funny, on The Simpler, Happier Life, uh, have you guys ever seen, there's a video on YouTube, and I've wanted to play it on this show, but it, it's, it has profanity in it, and I don't, uh, I don't care for that. But it is pretty funny. Have you seen the video where the guy is t- is impersonating the uh, a farmer, and he, uh, he he talks about like how crazy cool it is that he can be a farmer and that he can like work right where he like those chickens basically print money. They just like poop out eggs basically, and then you eat them, <laughs> and there's food growing all over. Have you seen that video that I'm referencing? I have it. <laughs> okay, I will find it, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Before warned okay. that 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 there's. Vol- vulgar language in it. But it's so funny because it drives home this idea that essentially uh, so many people today, if you pay attention to finance, if you're a financial planner, you talk with people, it seems like everyone wants about the same thing. They want a lower, a, a slower pace of life. They want the ability to work from home, to spend more time with their family and their loved ones. They want you know healthier food. They want a better standard of living. And here's this guy, it's a comedian, talking about how you know here he is living on a farm, so he can just get up and there's a, there's a rooster that crows every morning. He doesn't have to wake up to an alarm clock. He can get up, and he works right from home, and he's got all this fresh food that just shows up for him. And <laughs> It's like we've gone through this cycle, almost this boom-bust cycle of lifestyle, where in, historically people thought, well, I need to get more, 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 better, 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 bigger, 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 fancier, fancier, fancier. And now there's this massive push back in the direction of uh, – the search of how things used to be simpler and happier. Now it's it's really hard because you gotta avoid um, as a as a listener instructed me one time, which I hadn't recognized that even I was doing. You have to avoid the golden era fallacy. Just simply, everything was always better in the past. Man, there is some stuff from the 1980s that was not better than today. We live in, in exactly. an unquestionably yeah. <laughs> better world. But how can we take the stuff that's better today and integrate it with the wisdom of the past for mm-hmm. a, a better future for all of us? Yeah, we we're totally right there with you. That's that's our motto. Very cool. And I think the reason that we you know we we are having a success with our podcast and, and our website is because what we're saying is resonating with a lot of people. I think really there does. is, I think there is a movement to get back to you know the way things, at least the way we think things used to be. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just not to ignore the, the, the wisdom of the past. And, exactly. and different people, it seems as though different people experience this in different ways, whether it's uh, 
family, whether it's you know building something with your hands. You know, for me, that's a big deal. Is 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 so much of my work uh, has been and is mental work, where I don't get to actually look and see anything that I did. It's all it's all a theoretical construct. It's all concepts and ideas. That's not nearly as satisfying sometimes as getting to actually physically build something or physically weeding my garden or physically trimming my trees and just doing some physical work where you get you know you get hot and sweaty and then you look at that and say there's the satisfaction of you know there's a job well done uh, so I'm not I don't want to go be a bricklayer for for uh, for a business but who knows I, I could certainly do that and experience a lot of joy from it more than than sometimes I get with the, with the knowledge work and it seems like so many of us we're missing something that we're trying to fill the need for mm-hmm. yeah I yeah agree. that's I, I feel like you could we could have a whole podcast series just on that yeah. I mean that's <laughs> Well, you guys, You're absolutely right. Yeah, you guys take it and run with it on your show. Go for there it. There we go. <laughs> that'll give people to listen to your show. Yeah, well, that would be awesome. What does our on our to do list? <laughs> Very cool, Mark <laughs> and Lauren. Thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate it, and thank you for sharing your wisdom. And keep uh, keep going on your journey, and keep chronicling it, and helping others because that's what uh, is what a massive advantage we have living in a world where normal everyday people can help other normal everyday people and do it profitably. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Josh. Thanks. Told you it'd be a great mashup. And the coolest thing is there's nothing in there that any of us can't do and can't emulate. So go check out Mark and Lauren's blogs. I'll put links to all their blogs and, and to their blog and to the couponing site in the show notes. That's it for today's show. I thank you for listening. As we go out here, I'm going to read a few of your iTunes reviews that I thank you so much. I love, love, love getting these. And it helps the rankings of the show. It really does. But actually, my favorite thing about it, I love getting them. They pop up on my phone. Uh, and usually, they come in during the night because they're a little bit delayed from when you leave them in iTunes. And so, they come in during the night and I get up uh, I get up early and I like check my phone. And it's really exciting to read your reviews right off the bat. So, thank you guys so much. Review here from Zern Cox uh, is the screen name He says in iTunes. It says, engaging and motivating. This is a great podcast to keep you motivated on your financial journey and to stretch your mind with both new and familiar ideas. Perfect. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. So that, uh, I, I love that. Next comes from Carnation Cat. Uh, it says, like having a best friend in the business, I'm impressed by how Joshua takes complex topics and breaks them into bite-sized, understandable pieces. Even when he discusses something I have no knowledge of or interest in, I find myself fascinated, probably because his enthusiasm is contagious. Looking forward to ever-increasing quality and variety in these great podcasts. Perfect. Thank you. Yes, more quality coming. I am majorly focused. I've got some changes that I'm doing personally as far as how I'm going to change and and update uh, just some of the ways that I do to bring higher quality to the show over the next year and more variety. I've got lots of lots of new content coming in in a bunch of different ways. Uh, great show. I greatly enjoy this podcast. It's entertaining and informative. On top of all that, it's a daily show. Keep it up, Joshua. So funny to me how in the podcast world, this is from Jordan, Sin- Jordan Sinclair. Thank you, Jordan. So funny to me how in the podcast world, this like daily thing is such a such a, a marvel. <laughs> I look at it, I'm like, I mean, yes, it is, it is tough to do every day, but what's funny is just 
just, I think, every broadcast radio person forever. <laughs> That's what they've been doing. So I think they've got much bigger teams than maybe I do. I don't have any team. I just have me. But uh, <laughs> but that's awesome. So thank you guys so much for your reviews. Please keep them coming. Um, just do it for me. I love, again, it makes my morning when I wake up early and I find one of your reviews sitting there on my cell phone and I get to read them and I show them to my wife and she she, she gets excited for me. So thank you guys for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with uh, the review on Tony Robbins' new book, 650-page manual on money. Thank you for listening to today's show. This show is intended to provide entertainment, education, and financial enlightenment. Your situation is unique, and I cannot deliver any actionable advice without knowing anything about you. This show is not and is not intended to be any form of financial advice. Please develop a team of professional advisors who you find to be caring, competent, and trustworthy, and consult them because they are the ones who can understand your specific needs, your specific goals, and provide specific answers to your questions. Hold them accountable for your results. I've done my absolute best to be clear and accurate in today's show, but I'm one person and I make mistakes. If you spot a mistake in something I've said, please come by the show page and comment so we can all learn together. Until tomorrow, thanks for being here.